17 to 22. So we'll start at Luke 7. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And from 1 Corinthians 11, starting at 17. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and the other gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Thank you, Betsy. That's fantastic. Hello. 
How are we going? Am I on? Yep, now we are. Yeah, thank you, Betsy. Appreciate those two readings, long readings. Uh, we, we are in a series. We're going to do the second of a five-part today. The series is called A Meal with Jesus. And we're dealing with how does spending time around meals and intimate fellowship enact who God is? In other words, how would we know what God is like and what his people um, is like? How is it shown to us? How is it experienced? And this series would say, and the question it asks, it, it often is around meals. And each week we'll see that meals or a particular meal in Scripture shows us something else about church and about what God wants to do here, now, in our church, with us. Today's theme, to introduce it to you, I want to take from the world of TV shows. Who, I mean, I, I'm willing to bet that every single person here at one point in your life got into some sort of a TV show that might be like the ones on the screen. You know, these are recent ones, uh, except for Friends. Friends is now ancient, um, very old. But you can go further back to Yes Minister, to whatever one of those classic comedy sitcom TV shows that you are fond of, that you remember, uh, and that meant something to you. And that's the reason why you watched it, of course. Here's why you watched it and still watch it. At least one reason. It's community. <laughs> There's a sense in which a show like Friends, for instance, they're a community. And we like the show partly because we too are wired for community. We, we, we don't live life alone. We want to live life together with others. And in our individual Western society, TV shows like Friends and others that you might get into that has this group of characters who you become fond of and you love, and by watching and getting into their world, it's almost like you become part of their community. You live vicariously through their sense of community, and that's what's so good about them. I, I kind of like it, and that's perhaps why you like it. I think that's why they're successful, because they certainly give us a sense of community. Now, here's the thing. Do you know that out of all the things that God is doing in the world and in you, Forming a community is chief among them. God is building for himself on this earth and in human existence a very, very special community. I don't know if you're familiar with church or if you're new to God and faith and stuff and you might say, well, what does it mean? Why do people do this? What's in it for them? There are a lot of things in it for them, but can I say to you today that one of the big things that are in it, that is in it for people when it comes to church, is community. Community. I want to say two things to you about community today. They're from two different Bible passages, and I'm not going to explain these passages fully. I just want to highlight two things about this community of God that we see in the Bible readings from this morning. Here's the first thing. Jesus is creating a stunning new community of which you can only be a part if you accept Jesus. 
as Lord and Savior. So that gets to deal with the question of how do I become a part of this community? Every community has a rite of passage or an entry, you know. At school, if you want to be part of a certain crowd of students who you want to hang out with, there's something that earns you entry into that, whether it's a good or a bad thing, but, but you've got to get in. Clicks from adults, if you want to get into a certain crowd of people, there's something you've got to do to get in. And, and I dare say perhaps the Christian community is the same, at least in that sense. Yes, there is something that you need to do to get in. What is it? Let me tell you. We get it from the story that we read in Luke. In Luke, there's a meal where Jesus goes to a, a, a dude who was a very religious dude in the day. Jesus goes to his house. His name is Simon, and he has a meal. He has dinner with this man, Simon. Here's what Simon's house would have looked like. It's useful to you to know. You should know that now and later in the message. It, it kind of houses, back in the day, look a bit different to our houses. People would eat in a spot. You can't really see it here, but it's sort of here. The, here's a dining room in this little diagram. And about 9 to 12 people, as you can see there, would lie down on some cushions or some couches, sometimes on carpets. There'd be three tables that's in a U-shape and meals would be served there. Food would be served there and you'd really lie down and just consume your food in that way. However, this is very awkward, but what would also happen in these settings is a lot of people from the community would come and they would crowd around the house and there's this open sort of area here that's a garden and this dining room opens out onto this garden Often it could be in the front of the house. And meals, back in those days, was kind of like a public gathering. You, you could just go if you were part of that community and you could crowd around in that uh, atrium is the fancy word of the room and you could sort of watch these people eat, right? <laughs> Awkward, but, but it worked that way. Because often after the meals... What would happen, this was very common in the day, this is before TV and all those sorts of things, there would be a discussion or a debate where they talk about something. And the honoured guests that were seated inside the dining room, the, the honour was sort of the host, and the next to the host is the place of highest honour, and then so it goes down until it gets to basically the people, often the poor in the community who would just be outside. Maybe even hoping for leftovers or scraps people in the outside rooms, okay? That's the kind of dinner that this guy Simon invites Jesus to. He says, come and have dinner at my house. And then something happens in that setting that, that I think is hard for us to, to fathom. I'm not going to reread the story. You heard it. There's a woman who comes into that setting. She was probably standing quite far outside in the common area watching, listening, taking in. And then at some point, I'll refresh your memory, she goes in, her hair's down, she goes to Jesus, she pours out a whole jar of perfume which would have cost an insane amount of money in the day. She cries, she kisses his feet. I cannot state to you how wrong that was. 
according to the culture of the day, according to the norms of the day, how inappropriate and shocking it was. Everything about this woman is wrong. She doesn't belong in that triclinium, in that dining room. The actions that she performs are inappropriate in any setting for someone like Jesus. In fact, one author writes, Mary Douglas, she said, letting her hair down in this setting would have been on par today with what we would consider to appear topless in public. Maybe it's the only way she knows how to express love and affection. Maybe she was a prostitute. Most likely she was. Most likely not by choice. This is how she knows how to pour out love and affection and desire for this man, Jesus. Why? We don't really know. Did she know about Jesus because he's been in the, in the area? We have no clue as to how she even got to know about Jesus, but we do know that in Jesus, she sees someone who can heal her, who can help her, who can fulfill her, someone whom she wants to be known by. That's what her actions betray, right? And she goes for it. And here's the thing. What does Jesus do? Nothing. His specificity in the face of this behavior, one writer says, is extremely eloquent. He doesn't stop her. <laughs> he doesn't go red and blush. He's not awkward. He's not apologetic. He lets her come in. He lets her do what she wants to do. And then when the host, Simon, gets up him for saying, you can't do this. Did you catch Jesus' words to Simon? I'll read it again. Do you see this woman, Simon? I came into your house. You didn't give me water for my feet, which was just common courtesy in the day to give your guests water to wash their feet. You didn't give me water for my feet. Not even the common courtesy of that. She wet my feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. This woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, common courtesy of the day. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. I don't know all of you, but I know that there'd be some of you here today who wonder whether you belong in the community of Jesus, in church. Maybe you have a past. Maybe like that woman, there are many things about your life that you know aren't right. Maybe you compare yourself to those inside of church who you think deserve to be here because they're good people and they have their lives together and they sort it out and they've got good marriages and good kids and good homes 
Can I talk to you this morning? Not me, in fact. Can God talk to you this morning? Can you hear from him that you're welcome? He accepts you. You belong to his community. If it is Jesus who you seek, if it is Jesus who you want, and if today is the day where you say, I'm, I, I'm done with my past, I know that I am broken, I know that there's a lot wrong about me, but I want a new tomorrow, a better future. I want to know the love of Jesus. I want to know that I'm valued. I want to know that I was created for a purpose. And, and these are all Christian language. Maybe you don't understand them today, but trust me, they are very worth it. To be known by Jesus, to be filled with God's Spirit, to embark on a journey where your life is being changed, where you are restored, where you are loved, and where you are moving from this day on into an eternity where everything about your life will be good, will be right, will be restored. Maybe you're a mother today who's like that. Come. 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 Take your cue from this woman, and if you're out in the back room in the public area, come in. Come to Jesus. He seeks you, he calls you, and he wants to add you to his community. That is what he is doing, and, and, and you belong there, and you should be there. That's, that's, that's what it means to be accepted into this community. Nothing else. Nothing else. Simply, Jesus, I know you're the one, and I know you can do for me what I need. That's it. Maybe you're like the woman today, You've got the invitation. Maybe you were like Simon. Simon struggles with two things here. First one I'm not going to talk much about because I talked about it last week. He struggles with the fact that that's all it takes <laughs> to belong to this community. <laughs> He's a good person. Right? He works hard. He has worked hard to be the host of the table and he feels that if someone else is to sit in the place of honour like this woman is being accepted into, they've got to do a lot of stuff, right? They've got to earn a lot of things first. Got to earn their, earn their stripes, and so to speak, to belong. And I don't think he's okay with that. See, it's grace that he struggles with. That's last week's word, grace. <laughs> you don't get in by anything you do. You get anything, you get in by what Jesus has done, right? Number two, here's the second thing Simon struggles with. Hey, sorry, Phil, can you move me on, please? I'm not sure that Simon was comfortable to share a table with that woman. Not on that day, nor on any other day. I don't think he could stomach the thought that the community that Jesus is shaping is a community where he, on the inside, needs to share the inside space with a prostitute. 
next to him. Again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> I don't think he could stomach that. I think it's too much for him. It's too much to swallow. To swallow. And, so, and so let me put it to you in practical terms today. Do you know that if you're a child of Jesus and you belong to his community, that you should have times of intimate fellowship, times of eating and drinking with other people who are nothing like you, people with whom the only thing you have in common is that Jesus has accepted you both. That is it. Let me be specific. Maybe I can, let me be un-PC and perhaps foolish this morning to just attack some of society's dividing lines. Church, Pathway to Life is a community in which people from a high socioeconomic area and a low socioeconomic area need to spend time and will spend time of intimate fellowship together regularly. Single people mix with married people and together people in an intimate fellowship that is just normal for them because that is the community that is the community of God. Seniors and older people spend time with younger people in intimate fellowship around meals regularly and there's nothing strange about it. These are the dividing lines that society gives us and perhaps many more others besides. But do you see? The community of Jesus is one that defies all that. There's nothing strange and nothing wrong in the community of Jesus for people who sit around the same plate, eating the same food with a deep and lasting love for each other who are nothing like each other, who by any other means would never share any fellowship together. I hang out with the people who are like me. That's how the world works. And it's not how the church works. It's not how the community of Jesus works. Can you do that? Are you doing that? Are we doing that? That's the questions we have to ask ourselves. I'm not saying we're not. I think we are as a church, individually, corporately, but how can we do it better? How can our gatherings on a Sunday morning, in your home, in your small groups, how can it enact, how can it better and better and better be this community that Jesus has come to shape? Most of us might say, I'm quite okay for anyone to belong to the community of Jesus, but you know, I kind of want to come to church, do my thing, go home, mix with who I want to mix with. I think Jesus is saying to us, there's more to church than that. I think he's saying to Simon, no, there's more to church than that. More to my community than that. Where do I get it from? Let me just go to Corinthians and then we'll wrap up. Corinthian church is a church, right? They meet for their worship services over a meal every Sunday. They eat, they read from the Bible, they pray, they sing, they go home. That's how church worked early on in the Bible. Except this church, things go by the wayside. In that house setting, much like Simon's house where they meet, people do all sorts of different things. You read Paul's advice to them. I've got no praise for you because your meetings, your time around 
food and fellowship do more harm than good. There's divisions among you. Some people sit inside the dining room and the triclinium or whatever on the cushions and, and they drink too much and they eat. Others stay outside in the area, they remain hungry. Don't you have homes to eat and drink it? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? Here's the thing, he's simply saying to them, your gatherings ought to be the community that Jesus is shaping. And it's not. His words are sharp, aren't they? Do you despise what God is doing in the world by refusing to step into intimate fellowship and community with other people who are nothing like you? Don't despise it, is the words that Paul gives them. We can think about it, we can reflect on it, and we can perhaps just let God lead us. Lead you as an individual in how you can enact this community better around the meals, again, that you have, who you have coffee with, who you invite to your small groups, who your family rubs shoulders with. We can think about it as a church. Are we enacting that community here on Sunday mornings in this gathering? How can we do it better? How can we do it better in how we want to extend ministry in our future, in whatever we start, whatever we do. Will what we do, in whatever way it gathers, enact the community that Jesus has come to create? These are the questions. Now, let me wrap up. I've made two points, and I want to move to the Lord's Supper uh, from here on. And I remind you this morning, if you're the woman in Luke, Come. This community is for you. Jesus invites you. Come to the table. This table is symbolic. It's supposed to be a feast that we eat today for lunch together that enacts our sense of community. Make today perhaps the first day where you say yes to Jesus. Take the piece of bread Drink the wine, I believe you, Jesus, and I'm part of this community. If you're like Simon, a Corinthian, remember, this piece of bread and wine is all you are. You're nothing more, nothing more than anyone else. And may we, in ways perhaps so much better than just in symbol today, but in real time, in real life, in real food, around real gatherings, and act and be this community that Jesus is talking about. Please pray with me. Father, thank you that you are a community in yourself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, a perfect community. Thank you for Pathway to Life, our community. Thank you for its beauty. Thank you how, for how stunning it already is. Thank you for each person who perhaps doesn't belong here, quote-unquote, but who somehow does because of you. Father, I pray for those who have not joined this community because they might not feel good enough. Draw them and may today be the day. And then, Father, I pray for our community here. I pray that we would be willing, humbly, 
to hear and to follow the ways in which you lead us to be a community that enacts what you are trying to do. May we do so in every which way that we gather, privately in our homes, corporately together as a church, as small groups, one-on-one with others. Build this community. And Lord, will you make it glorious to you and satisfying to each and every person who you are joining to it, no matter who they are in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to ask for those two who hand out the bread and the wine to please do so. Hand out, uh, uh, we'll do the bread and the wine, just hold on to it, and then I'll lead us through the Lord's Supper. Corinthian church had to hear these words that I'll now read to you. They're just the next bit after Paul, Paul, the guy who wrote it, ripped into them. He said this, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, 
This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As you eat your little piece of bread today, will you please be reminded that this is your value. You are nothing more than this. And you have no more reason to belong to the beautiful community that God is shaping than this. The fact that Jesus' body was broken for the forgiveness of your sin. Many sins, few sins, doesn't matter. This is what makes you and me part of this community. Let's eat it with gratefulness together. And then the little cup that you hold in your hand. Can I read to you the very last verse of what Paul says to the Corinthian church? Can I forward that on to us today? He says, so then, my brothers and my sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. It's a tiny cup of symbolic wine that you hold in your hand, but please, by, by, by faith, by imagination... You know, when we do toasts at weddings, there's a sense of togetherness in that. Would you hold this cup today, drink it together with your brothers and your sisters who are here today? Let's drink to the fact that we are one. Drink to the fact that we share intimate fellowship with each other because of what Jesus has done for us. Let's drink together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice at such cost that we may be one and truly together. Amen. All right, music team, I'll call you to the front. Just before we sing our last song, I just wanted to acknowledge that our community here at Pathway extends further than this building. And um, the gifts that you received today, or the mothers that received today, they were put together by Elizabeth Douglas before she headed back to Queensland. So they're still very much a part of us, and yeah, it's great to have their involvement. Um, yeah, so our last song is a song that speaks again of that, that unity and that community that we have. So let's stand and sing Died for Us. Which unites us is greater 
Thanks, music group. I really thought that song fitted in really well with 